May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. This past Sunday on Palm Sunday, I mentioned in our sermon a reference to a post-resurrection story. And it's referred to as the Emmaus Road story. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, you can open them up to Luke chapter 24. As the story goes, these disciples didn't recognize the resurrected Jesus. They didn't know that it was Jesus that was walking with them. Their eyes had not been opened to see the resurrected Christ for who he was. And so Jesus entertains them in conversation by asking them what was going on. So they go on pouring out their hearts and their thoughts to this supposed stranger about this person named Jesus. They tell him, again not knowing that it was Jesus, they tell him how Jesus was a great hope. How Jesus was a a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. They tell him how they hoped that this person Jesus was the one who would redeem Israel but that the chief priests and rulers instead condemned him and crucified him. Furthermore, they explained that there were some women and a couple of other disciples who went on that same morning, that early Sunday morning, but that the tomb was empty and an angel had told them that Jesus was alive. So these guys on the Emmaus Road are somewhat dumbfounded about all of this. And Jesus as he walks along with them, begins to explain to them that the Old Testament, from the books of Moses all the way through to the prophets, how they all point to Jesus. Now, that's where I deviated off on Sunday and went into the comfortable words for that sermon. But tonight I want to continue in this Emmaus Road story. And if you did open your Bibles or your Bible apps, I want you to look at verses 28 and following while I read them for us. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he, meaning Jesus, indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. And this is where I want you to really take notice. Verse 30 and then following. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. How does that sound familiar? For in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying. These are the words of the institution. They're the words that I read from St. Paul's epistle tonight. They're also the words in the description of Jesus when he feeds the multitudes. Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and his disciples to them that were set down. So what does Jesus do with these Emmaus Road disciples? He doesn't just have supper with them. There's something beyond just a normal supper here. There's something sacramental at play. And what's interesting is what happens next. Look at what happens from this verse. Look at verse 31. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They recognized him. Up to this point, they didn't recognize him. 
Up to this point, they spent the day walking around with him. And up to this point, Jesus was just some dude on the road with them. And they even say, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked to us? But they didn't know who he was. But at this point, when Jesus breaks bread with them, they recognize him. And this is their own understanding of it, too. They went back to the remaining 11 apostles, the 12 minus Judas Iscariot, who had hanged himself. And they told them, in verse 35, we're told, and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Important words there. And how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And this saying isn't unique to Luke here. Luke says these same words in the book of Acts. When he clearly refers to the Eucharist, when he says in Acts chapter 2, that the apostolic church continued in the breaking of the bread. It was not simply that they continued to have dinner every night. It's that they observed the sacrament. And when Luke words it this way in Luke chapter 24, he's saying that it's something different. That this is something special. This is something sacramental when a, when a spiritual reality is happening through a physical eating with Jesus. And Luke suggests here that it is through Jesus' sacramental breaking of bread with these two disciples that he's revealed. I mean, Calvin admitted that, quote, indeed it might be said with some plausibility that the Lord was at length recognized in the spiritual mirror of the Lord's Supper. For the disciples did not know him when they beheld him with the bodily eyes, end quote. But it's not just simply the idea of eating the Last Supper that is of importance or the sacrament. It is the connection of such sacramental eating with the story of the beginning. For to understand it all, we must understand how Luke repeated the very words, not just of Jesus' institution, not just of Jesus' actions on the mountainside when he fed the thousands, but of the garden itself. If you still have your Bible or your Bible happens open, flip over to Genesis chapter 3, and in particular we'll look at verse 7. Genesis 3 is the account of the fall. Adam and Eve are told by God not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know that they do. Eve entertains the serpent in conversation, reaches out, takes the fruit, eats, and gives to Adam. And what do the scriptures say? Look at verse 7, most pointedly in the verse, first half. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And let me say Luke chapter 24, verse 31 again. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. Other than the fact of Adam and Eve's nakedness, the verses are the same. Actually, in Greek, they're almost identical. Some translations obscure the correlation. They'll say in Luke 24 that the disciples recognized him, as I read earlier in my translation. But the word of the Septuagint for Genesis 3-7 and Luke 24-31 are the same. So what was Luke doing by this? Again, as you've heard me say in the past, when God comes in the cool of the day in the garden, I believe there's support to say that this is their godly appointed worship time. And during that worship, there was the fellowship and the sacramental meal with God when they would receive the food from the tree of life from him. 
It was their Eucharist. But because of sin, that was lost. They were expelled. They were cursed. And yet now, we find Jesus being known in the breaking of bread with the disciples on the Emmaus Road. Luke was connecting the act of Jesus post-death, post-sacrifice, post-resurrection on the eighth day, on the first day of the week of the new creation with that of the garden meal. N.T. Wright suggests that Genesis 3 describes the Bible's first meal, a meal that subjects the creation to bondage and decay. But Luke 24 is the first meal of the new creation. Jesus is known and revealed as the promised seed of Genesis 3.15, the conqueror of the curse, the great head crusher of the serpent by his death and his resurrection. And that is known through his meal. Because in and through the bread that he gives, man may enter the presence of God as they did before the curse. They may receive from the hand of God himself as they did prior to the sin. Another writer said, an Edenic allusion in Luke 24 undergirds the Bible as a coherent narrative stretching from creation to fall to new creation to consummation. And specifically, Luke 24:31 gives us one angle from which to view the transition from the second of these pillars to the third, from the fall to the new creation. For this text shows, as the author continues, Jesus reversing the curse of the fall. The catastrophic eye-opening of Genesis 3, which ironically is a blinding, has been decisively overturned by Jesus, who now restores sight to his followers in the breaking of bread. Beloved, a part of what we celebrate tonight is the institution of the Lord's Supper, of when he himself gathered his close disciples around him. When he took bread, he blessed it, and he gave it to them. In the breaking of bread, in the Eucharist, in this meal which we celebrate tonight, our eyes are open to see Jesus as he truly is. We aren't given to see Jesus as a good example. We aren't given to see Jesus as some important guy in whom there is no real hope because he ended up dying. We are given to see, as the men on the Emmaus Road saw, that Jesus was God sacrificed and risen anew for us. And that Jesus is the savior of the human race that has brought us near to God again. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.